0: Welcome, Bankless Nation, to this edition of Alpha Leak. Today on Alpha Leak, we are covering the Treasure DAO ecosystem along with the Matic token. Uh, the Treasure DAO community is extremely vibrant. Uh, so, shout out to all the Treasure DAO community members in the uh, YouTube chat right now. Uh, we've never had such a strong community show up so fast, so quickly to a live stream. So, cheers. Thank you guys for being here. In these Alpha Leak episodes, here's what goes down we get on a team. Uh, A as an assembly of people from uh, various communities and various projects around the, from the crypto ecosystem uh, just to give the pitch as the bull case for that project, the bull case for that community. Uh, Why should we be bullish on the Magic token? Am I sleeping on Magic? Should it be a part of my portfolio? We are going to go and do a deep dive into the Magic ecosystem, the Treasure DAO ecosystem, to really get a full grasp for what is going on there. And I was trying to do my due diligence on Treasure just to be informed about this uh, interview, because we got the three, two of the co-founders and and plus one on the show to talk about Treasure. Uh, But going down the rabbit hole, it was so much deeper than I thought it was. But from the gist that I've got, uh, it's a very ambitious project. It spawned out of the OG loot phenomenon, but morphed into something much more grand and much, much different. Uh, It's in an ecosystem with some insane ambitions. It's both a gaming ecosystem for Web3 uh, that, and also is helping developers look for distribution, but also could eventually unfold into an sea competitor. Uh, and so once again, we are going to answer the question, what is the bull case for Treasure DAO? And am I sleeping on magic? And should I have it as a part of my portfolio? So these are going to be the things that we answer in today's show. If you are a member of a community that is different from Treasure DAO and you think that the bull case for your community should be told... Uh, here's what you need to do. You need to assemble a team. Maybe it's the co-founders. Maybe it's the co-found the, the founder. Maybe it's a, a bunch of community members. But you need to assemble a team. You need to put a, a, an agenda together to help me do my, my due diligence so I can host a good show and you need to send it to me and let me know that you've assembled a team, you've got the notes down, and you're ready to tell the bull case for your particular project, your particular community. Uh, And that is what we do every... uh, We're going to do these mostly every Friday, but today's Thursday, uh, just because of a special case. Uh, But towards the end of the week is the Alpha League time to talk about the bull case for your particular community. And this week, it is, of course... Treasure Dow's turn, uh, the second we've ever done on one of these things, the first being the Maker Dow show we did last week. We're going to go ahead and get right into the show and talk about the bull case for Treasure right after we talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. Uh, thanks for coming on to Bankless. I'm really excited to dive into Treasure and hear about the bull case for, for Treasure. Um, Garp, uh, thanks for coming on. Yeah, great to be here. And um, Peter as well. Thanks for coming on.
1: Hey, likewise. Thanks for having us.
0: And uh, John as well. Thank you for coming
2: on. Yeah, thanks for having us.
0: Uh, all right. Cheers, guys. First, uh, I want to just dive into a little bit of your guys' backgrounds. Uh, so I'll start in the same order that I rattled off some names. Garp, uh, give us a little bit more of a detail about who you are and, and, and how you came to be at Treasure.
3: Yeah, sure. So um, kind of like similar to a lot of people, I um, had a friend who kind of uh, introduced me to kind of ETH back in the day, 2016, and was too busy at work. Um, kind of <laughs> forgot about it, um, you know, went over my head, um, which is to kind of wrapped up in things and then um, regretted that for a long time. Um, 2017, I guess, kind of mid to the early 2017, I kind of fell down the rabbit hole like a lot of people did. Um, I actually left my job like a lot of people was the top signal um, at the end of 2017 into 2018. I Actually tried to do a couple of things in crypto with a couple of friends was loads of fun. Um, Had my first child though. Wife told me you need to come back home. (laughs) Could no longer travel, um, which which is fine. And then, you know, I've been in kind of crypto ever since, but um, kind of joined Treasure within the first week. Um, Again, um, loved buying the top. So literally became a community member, joined the Discord, um, was really kind of vibing what was going on there. Saw some great stuff from the community, early on community um, with John and and the founders. Um, We just had like kind of vibed a couple, uh, couple of times and then we got on a call and kind of the rest is history. And now I kind of look after, after growth. It's been a, a wild ride, but loads of fun.
0: Uh, Peter, let's turn to you. Tell us a little bit about your history and how you came to be at Treasure.
1: Oh, yeah. So um, I got kind of stumbled across like Ethereum and crypto in general, like in uh, the end of 2016 with uh, some of the Ethereum meetups and so forth that were hosted by consensus. Uh, you know, started learning about things like Aragon and like the crazy stuff they were building with like building essentially like Uh, their own governance in their own states and virtually Uh, at the time I was working uh, like doing like game theory research in academia so studying things like option mechanisms and how speculation happens in financial markets Uh, got out of that and eventually was introduced to um, the guys building Open Bazaar and helping build some software there like mobile apps and stuff like that and uh, you know like got really wrapped up into like the whole 2017-2018 kind of like ICO boom started uh, working at funds there and then you know Eventually, um, you know, it wasn't, you know, all like, peaches and roaches there. So there was some, um, a lot of that volatility there, but eventually um, i stuck in the space, went through like DeFi summer and so forth and um, gradually opened my eyes to like NFTs and especially what the guys at Treasuredale was doing. So I joined the team a little bit later, but mostly because uh, I was just saw a lot of uh, potential with um, like the, 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 the interplay between DeFi and NFTs. So, yeah
0: that's my journey. Awesome. And of course, uh, John, last but not least, give us your, give us your background. How did you come to be a treasurer and what's your track uh, track record throughout crypto?
2: Um, so I got into crypto in 2018. Um, I'd heard about it in 2011. My roommate uh, was raving about Bitcoin. I told him it was the dumbest thing I'd ever heard. And I didn't hear about Bitcoin again until 2017 when it was $20,000. So I realized I'd made a huge mistake. Um, and then, I got really into DeFi in 2018 and 2019, and then um, slowly started getting more involved in the space as it was um, eating up my time. I was a statistical analyst before that. Um, I started writing articles in DeFi, and then I got a really lucky break last summer when um, Sonny Agarwal um, offered um, a position in growth at Osmosis, which was about to launch, um, and then uh, co-founded Treasure last September.
0: Awesome, awesome. Okay, thank you guys. For, uh, and actually, I, I want to get into Treasure, of course, because that's what this episode is going to be about. But first, um, two of you guys are, are Anon. John, you're not an Anon, but two of you guys are. Uh, why, why Anon? Uh, Garp, let's start with you.
3: Yeah, I think like the, the original um, kind of reason for that was because um, I was working <laughs> at my um, old job at the time. Uh, and so, you know, I was kind of doing two, two things at once, I guess, uh, working from home kind of facilitated that. Um, I was working in, you know, uh, kind of corporate strategy um, within like a, a big kind of company, probably uh, not advisable for, for me to also be kind of aping in and <laughs> doing all things kind of crypto at the same time. Um, I was making it work. I was working probably like ridiculous hours. Um, but yeah, that's, I guess it's kind of been a continuation from that. I suspect over time, you know, I will um, become doxxed, um, which, you know, I'm sure it will like progressively progressively happen anyway. But that, that's just kind
0: of the genesis mm-hmm. genesis of it. Yeah. Got to keep the shenanigans away from the employers <laughs> while you were wearing that's, a suit and tie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Pita, uh, why, why Anon?
1: Oh, um, like I'm semi-docs. So like, Docs. if you dig, um, like deeply enough, you'll find out who I am, but mainly like, uh, I just want to keep the focus on like the team and like the, the things that they're building and stay focused on, um, you know, like building what we're building instead of you know getting into fights on Twitter and so forth. So yeah, that's the main reason.
0: Yeah. Sometimes I definitely envy you guys for sure. Um, All right, so let's go into it. And for for people that have never heard about Treasure before, or even the community experts on on Treasure, who, you know, we can all refine our mental models and our understandings uh, a little bit. When you zoom all the way out, what is the most concise and easy way to explain the product and vision for, for Treasure? John, I'll throw this one to you.
2: Yeah, so the idea behind Treasure is that the metaverse is an economic layer more so than a visual one. Um, so we're all from DeFi backgrounds, um, as we mentioned, and then we, when we got into NFTs, we noticed a lot of people were talking about the metaverse as, um, you know, a three D thing or VR or AR. But to us, it's more just a digital economy. It's the basic infrastructure. So you know, you have resources that can be purely imaginary, but if people can build goods and services on top of them in the form of games or NFTs, and then now we see Dow scaling to the level of like actual content and infrastructure providers, then it doesn't really matter if these things aren't, you know, true material resources, the economy is real. And so the way um, we kind of think about it is that the metaverse is something that users have to build through collective storytelling and imagination. Um, It's not a product that a company can just sell to you and then you buy, like the community has to actually um, build it together. And so our community is built around the magic token, which is this, um, um, yeah, it's the resource that powers all of the worlds and also our organization itself.
0: All right, cool, cool, cool. Uh, I have more questions as a result of that, uh, but I think that's what the rest of the episode will be. Can you, John, can you just speed run us through the history of Treasure TreasureDAO? Because uh, from what I've gathered, the the vision for what it is now was not the same vision that it started off with. Can you kind of just like speed run people that haven't been paying attention to Treasure through the history so we can get caught up?
2: Yeah, um, we started off as a Loot derivative, Um, and if people aren't familiar, it was this um, pretty genius project by um, someone named Dom Hoffman. Coming on the podcast. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah, in my mind, Dom invented the metaverse. Um, People hadn't really thought of it as this thing that has to be um, built um, in a bottom-up way. You know, When you hear people talk about Ethereum as a general purpose blockchain, Loot was a um, general purpose set of building blocks. And a lot of people were making derivatives and I had the idea to um, do it with resources. And if you look at the original treasure cards, they weren't very well um, picked. Some of them have like cow and donkey on that. But the general idea was, okay, let's just distribute um, the materials that people can build economies around. And um, you know, over time that, that thesis is kind of um, borne out where we see that um, a lot of metaverses are now choosing um, to have native monies um, because it's very very hard for a metaverse to exist unless the community can kind of agree on what it even is, um, and so that that's what um, magic uh, does for us. And the way we think about it is, it's like it's the difference between um, a ledger and then a consensus protocol. So you know, uh, a ledger just shows like the canon, like this is what occurred, and then the consensus protocol allows you to um, actually add new things to the canon. And so magic is what the DAO can use to subsidize what it believes is um, part of the treasure metaverse. But anywho, this all came about like over a period of time. And it started much simpler um, with just the treasure NFTs. And then I had the idea to um, do the magic token. Like, okay, what if we just use the loot formula and create a token that has no real purpose except to um, basically bridge the metaverses at the time, which were the most popular in that vein. And it was um, loot in a golden treasure. Um, I, I really had no idea or plan for where this was going to go. And we just wanted to see if it could be like a community building experiment, because that was pretty much loot was just a genius blueprint for um, community formation. And luckily, Garp showed up. He was like the first person who um, came in to the fold, really. And he became a co-founder after two weeks. Um, all of the tokenomics um, were invented by Garp. And Garp had to Brilliant idea to make an ecosystem fund, which over time, like we realized, oh, wow, like we made a money for our organization and um, we're driving value to it by letting people transact in it. And then, you know, since we have 30% of the supply um, in this ecosystem fund, then that's like allowing our organization to um, be powered through um, this currency. More and more people came um, and just took this idea where, you know, we were one of the bottom ranked tokens on DEX tools because I didn't do a very good job with the. Tokenomics, and slowly, it um, the whole thesis started bearing out where the community could take something like this, and then build a story around it. So, someone named uh, End, who is now our product lead for BridgeWorld, and then uh, Peta, and um, just a huge group of artists, writers, um, economists, um, slowly came and just breathed life into this, um, you know, incredibly simple germ of an idea.
0: So, I, I think yeah. what I just heard is that. Uh, we, we, with the whole loot phenomenon, where Dom issued these NFTs that were like inverse versus what people were expecting, where the data about the NFT is actually inside the NFT rather than a JPEG that's, that's on the outside of the NFT. The loot really flipped everything on its head and allowed the metaverse to be rendered at the periphery rather than have like you know a visual representation that was the cool thing about loot but then uh people realized that model was really cool and then a gold got uh, minted to all of the loot holders and some loot derivative holders and that was supposed to be the bottom up chosen currency of the metaverse but i think what i just heard you tell me john was that it was actually ended up being magic that was the the token that was chosen to be this Bottom up, because you, you said that uh, it was issued without any single like real purpose. And that's kind of what gold was. And also, that's what loot was uh, initially. It was like, hey, we don't really right. have a game for this, but we're going to issue it anyways and see what the community does. Why did Magic win when A Gold didn't?
2: Well, I actually, so loot didn't pick um, Magic. Um, right. Um, I kind of wanted them to. And then, so everything that's come after that, like Bridge World and um, Small Brains, these were just proofs of concept. Like um, uh, I was thinking the other day, like when you buy a printer, there's a piece of paper in it that shows you what the ink would look like. So we just had to make the pieces of paper to show you, this is what our printer can make. Um, but a gold in my mind was not distributed well, because like the reason the resource can, can catalyze metaverse is because people are fighting over it. And it, the, um, you build the story around the emission and they emitted the entire thing. Um, uh, at the beginning, and so like what I don't I don't know what kind of story you can write around um, that. Interesting.
3: Yeah, I think probably just like kind of jumping in as well. Um, you know, one of the, the great things about it was you know obviously kind of fair launch. Um, it, it brought in a mixture of different communities um, from you know the I guess the NFT world um, with a little bit of DeFi um, as well. But just like that that whole notion of the bottom up and just being very open, um, leaving it to the community to kind of build on top of. Uh, and then I think we just kind of hit it a little bit lucky. You know, even, even myself kind of came in um, with the notion of, hey, you know, these are resources. We can really kind of run with this. We can take this and kind of build it out. And if you have enough people who are really passionate into something, uh, you can do amazing things. And I think that's kind of what happened thereafter. And just like, I guess the, the other evolution of it was, you know, the first phase was really around social coordination and kind of proving out that you can um, give something value if enough people kind of believe in it. And that's how a lot of things of value, you know, via currency, go like all these other kind of resources actually kind of come to life. Um, and then I think John's point around, you know, the kind of the, the piece of paper where you're kind of validating that is a really good one in the sense that if we're trying to kind of validate um, or prove out that magic is monies, so to speak, um, one way that we do that is by kind of seeding our own project, So Bridgeworld, um, which is kind of, you know one of the core sources of magic itself and even our treasure NFTs. And we kind of push it out. We're distributing from there into our other kind of a, array of partners. Uh, and likewise Smallverse, but on more of a kind of a, a metaversal side, um, of things, you kind of see like, we're bootstrapping um, the adoption of magic, which is then kind of galvanized through the marketplace, which legitimizes its, um, its kind of use as monies on top of all the other, I guess, utility uh, and function that we kind of build out on top of that. Uh, and you can see that just through the number of different you know, partner projects, derivatives, et cetera, that are all using you know, magic as monies and recognize that and building in magic token sinks
0: yeah so it's really trying to you know incorporate utility into the magic token by building out these various ecosystems that all depend on magic as a currency is that the is that the gist
2: yeah, it's sort of the thing that binds them um, you know we it's the opposite of other tokens where its moneyness comes from the certainty of its emissions, and for us, we want this thing to be the emission rules to be incredibly dynamic and change over time, because the DAO should be, um, you know, pushing it towards new worlds that like allow the story to evolve, but also the organization to become more um, financially sustainable. And it's, you know, to us, the thread between many metaverses is is the resource struggles occurring between them.
0: Threads between many metaverses. Okay, so the the gist I'm getting is that there's there's a magic token which was fair launched uh, via a, kind of like a yam. Similar staking mechanism where you didn't really have to do too much other than just like stake some of your assets, and the assets were chosen were like A golds, loot bags, right, yeah. uh, a few other things that I'm forgetting. Uh, and it was just emitted fairly that way. Uh, and the emission is, I think, the critical difference that you indicated between A gold, where A gold was just like birthed all at once and distributed, it, and said magic was uh, more slowly emitted into the ecosystem, which helps kind of generate some sort of like energy, some sort of momentum behind it. Uh, and then all of a sudden, we we're starting to get some uh, utility and adoption via BridgeWorld, Small, Smallverse, and I think a few others, which we'll, we'll probably talk talk about as well. Uh, but you know, more and more utility, in addition to the em- emission, which kind of riles up a community, you're also adding utility to the Magic Token by creating these ecosystems that run on the Magic Token. And like the bull case is a little bit uh, about more and more um, uh, Verses. Flavors of the metaverse coming and latching into the magic uh, underlying structure, the magic token, uh, and then kind of latching on to a community as well and all it like the rest of the already existing metaverse that's built around the magic token. Am I tracking so far?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the bull case to me is that most of these metaverses are, I think, are going to go to zero just in the same way that like um, people stop playing video games because they're nicer looking ones. Mm-hmm. so you know, um, like loot, we're not trying to build a front end to a metaverse. We're trying to build the piping right. underneath it. And, um, you know, these things are being, these DAOs are going to become enormous because they're going to go out into the world as like brands and iconography. And they'll actually become the organizations that can become um, the content producers for the next generation. And um, it'll start as NFTs, but they'll just snowball if the um, if the organization is designed well and the community shows up to shape it.
0: And I think that emission feature of magic is probably what allows for energy to be uh, tapped into in the future, right? And so A gold was minted all at once and then boom, it kind of ran out of steam because it didn't really have any power. It didn't have any gas left in the tank. But the emission schedule for magic is like, all right, we've got a lot of like energy left in the tank. Uh, you, you said that, you know, a lot of uh, metaverses will go to zero in the same way that games went to zero because people stopped playing them. But uh, if we can have an emission schedule uh, we can, uh, ad- the ecosystem, the magic ecosystem system can adapt to different tastes, different metaverses and al- allow it to be flexible into the future as demands for what a metaverse actually is in the future also changes. Is that also right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, because we can actually financialize myths now. If you think of how important culturally, um, myths and stories are just to the, our whole societal organization. And now we can actually make assets out of these things. Um, and that'll just be these, these kinds of financial assets, we're just now beginning to experiment with them, but they will be towering like in their adoption, I think.
3: I think the, um, and just kind of add on to that as well, like the, the other thing is that we're, we're proving out that it, it is recognized um, as, you know, a store of value, one, um, within our own ecosystem, like two, just like the, the volume through the treasure marketplace that we've been able to kind of generate, you know, like 300 million plus. Um, on Arbitrum, like the largest by orders of magnitude and just the number of partners uh, and just the community members who are willing to kind of build on top of us and again, recognize us uh, as money just further validates that. Um, And then because we are all about an ecosystem or or a network, we're basically trying to, you know, increase the GDP, so to speak, um, of this ecosystem. So we're not relying on any one in particular, you know, cartridge, so to speak, in that, um, you know, decentralized Nintendo. There are many kind of that will come and go and just like games, there will be some that work, some that don't. Um, and, and that's fine, but there's a unifying factor and, you know, being able to bootstrap um, another partner project into an existing community or community communities um, bonded behind, not only just like magic as money, but just the, the vision um, of what we're trying to build is, is something quite powerful. And then as kind of John mentioned, kind of bringing that to life through this, nearly this infrastructure layer. So, you know, we provide the tooling well, all the viewers to provide the tooling um, and kind of the infrastructure to allow people to nearly plug and play uh, to kind of build on us, um, to make us the, the easiest to work with, um, over time. And then we kind of turn that into a flywheel where reinvesting the monies that we're kind of generating from that and our internally seeded projects back into, uh, you know, creating more common infrastructure, more project, et cetera. And I guess, you know, the flywheel continues to spin.
0: So when I was um, looking around at other YouTube videos and other articles, people would give me the line that magic is trying to be the Nintendo of the metaverse. And I was like, what? What is it? What the hell does that mean? Like, that's just some marketing meh, meh, meh. Uh But like when you, when you just said Garp that, you know, you can like pull one cartridge out and put another cartridge in, uh, it starts to make sense using this model of like, uh, you know, the, ma- the magic is the actual physical console where, you know, it's got all this, it's got the structure, it's got the energy uh, and you just plug in your particular flavor of the metaverse uh, if you want to play that. Uh, or you take it out because you're bored with it and you add in a different one. Is that, is that kind of the deal? Is that the, vi- the gist of it? Yeah, that's a really good way of thinking about it. Um, and I think the other thing is uh, ultimately, you know, we want to get to like
3: 1 million plus users, right? Um, Axie's done an amazing job. They're by far and away got the, you know, the highest kind of DAUs. That's something to really aspire to. And, you know, that's something that we want to get to, too. And we're, you know, very conscious of early adopters in crypto are generally financially incentivized, but we want to be able to get to a stage such that you know, the, the things that people are engaging with, that they're playing, are genuinely fun. And there will be like, different set segments of users. Um, so some people will be really into Bridge World, and that's kind of our core. There'll be others who are really into Smallverse. Um, but then there's uh, games like Battlefly, which kind of caters to you know, um, a, a lower end of the kind of the, the socio in terms of um, like financial um, needs uh, to kind of get in. There's also Peekaboo, which is another kind of variant of that. So ultimately, we'll have this ecosystem in the same way that you want to play on Nintendo, And there's many different games, RPGs, real-time strategy, all that kind of stuff, you'll have those options, um, but it'll all be unified by a a singular kind of ecosystem and um, one currency, um, which kind of connects the others together. But importantly, and I think this is one of the, um, the most important parts is that we're taking a very kind of composable approach to all the NFTs within the ecosystem. So when we work with people, we're actually saying, okay, how can you, if you've got um, NFTs within your story, how can we connect that, you know, narratively um, with not only our games, like, you know, BridgeWorld as an example, but also with other partners to really deepen the network effects. Um, so you're actually creating kind of layers and layers of demands on top of each other. So it actually does turn into like, you know, as you kind of mentioned before, like this, um, this nation state, so to speak, um, of interconnected parties.
2: Yeah, and it's um, Ninten- the Nintendo thing for me, it's an organizational level like Nintendo chooses which games and and builders to invest in. And that's what uh, magic is like the Dow should be, um, you know, you read about the early days, the Nintendo company, they made these playing cards that were used sort of in um, like um, clubs and things like that. And then the um, grandson of the founder, I can't remember who it is. He's the one that like created Nintendo, as we know it made a decision to pivot to these new kinds of like technologies And uh, that's what the, that's what these DAOs have to do. And magic is the lever that can be pulled. The money is like um, the lever that allows it to, um, yeah, to start not only choosing what's real inside the metaverses, but also like what it it does as an organization. I think
0: the uh, vision for what you guys are illustrating, uh, I'm super aligned with because a lot of people just like, maybe not not a lot of people i think it's a mistake to think that somebody can just like build the metaverse in the same way that like we had like there's the ready player one thing like there's just one canonical metaverse and everyone just goes into that one what you guys are illustrating is that there's the metaverse is much more modular, which makes way more sense to me. As in, there will never ever be one single metaverse. You're not ever going to be like, I'm going into the metaverse. You have to really say, I'm going into a version of the metaverse that happens to be, you know, Bridge Bridge World or Smallverse or whatever or something. You know, the, the Yuga uh, Board ape Yacht Club version of the metaverse. There won't be a canonical one. But what you guys are building is trying to build the hub, I think, for uh, appending all different flavors of the metaverse into one central hub because that's really how you get um, persistent objects across metaverses, right? Where if you have an object in one metaverse and it needs to trans- transport itself to a different metaverse, you guys. it sounds like you guys are starting to build out some of that technology uh, in the magic ecosystem. Is all this correct?
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, PETA can speak to like... Um, our harvester games concept that we're going to roll out soon. But yeah, that, that's a good way of, of thinking about it is that, you know, these, w- why would you want to be a single node outside okay. of the network? It's it's like Ethereum and in, in a way, you know, DeFi is composable and you want to be linked to these other protocols. It wouldn't really work if these were just on their own islands. Um, and the same should be true for metaverses. This is, it's like, you know, to me, these DAOs are actually going to be bigger than blockchains because um, this human base layer of like collaborating and creativity and then financialization of organizations, blockchains will just be instruments and then the base layer is just the people. Um, building so th- it.
0: that brings up a, crit- a qualm or critique that I have, which is, why would it be magic that is the hub of the metaverse and not like some L1 blockchain? But I think we're going to have to come to back to that later because I know you guys have a lot to say on that. I actually want to start to dive into BridgeWorld because I think if we want to start to talk about the actual ecosystem, the actual, uh, in addition to the token, because you can, anyone can mint a token. Minting tokens are easy. That's the easy part, but it's actually building out the actual verses themselves that is the hard part. And I think Bridgeworld is the first part of the magic ecosystem, if I'm understanding things correctly, that would be the first place to start, is that right?
1: Yeah, that's correct. So like, um, I guess with like Bridgeworld, um, like if Treasure TreasureDAO's goal is to incubate games and supercharge their growth with magic emissions and treasure resources, kind of like the decentralized Nintendo thesis, then uh, Bridgeworld's goal is to mobilize the economy that gives these resources value build DeFi infrastructure and other kinds of infrastructure for them and then provide games in our ecosystem with like a common economic framework through which they can integrate interact and also compete with one another in tournaments open magic commissions so it's kind of like um we bootstrap them we've seen them grow up and we provide them with this end game metagame through which they can continuously interact and uh, engage with so that gives uh, kind of like uh, all these games that are coming through our ecosystem like ongoing engagement for the communities I think it's really important for us to be able to think about the long-term kind of like um, like the dynamics of how communities stay engaged in, within our ecosystem. Um, so I guess like what kind of game is Bridgeworld? So like, Bridgeworld is a game of strategy. It focuses on resource acquisition through social coordination. So we have you know, guilds forming, coordinating with each other, acquiring resources, and there's also elements of geopolitics there. So um, like with guilds and games in our ecosystem, they acquire users, resources, they create and forge items and consumables, and then they have to deploy them strategically in these contests over harvesters, which are basically like concentrated magic staking farms that um, people basically fight over. So um, the way we think about it is like, um, social coordination is like really important for uh, helping people stay engaged to these metaverse economies. Uh, So we have like, you know, ways to help people stay engaged at the guild level, where they coordinate and compete for missions. But then there's also kind of uh, like global level dynamics. For instance, in our game, uh, aggregate staking our magic mind powers up the world and unfreezes time in our game. And then slowly, uh, the features such as like questing, summoning, crafting begins to unthaw and speed up. And uh, the idea is kind of like we want to get the community to think about like coordination as a whole. And we have problems designed such as like tragedy in the commons type problems where you know, bridge world begins to slow down it begins to freeze uh yields decrease drop rates fall uh, items start to decay and break if that coordination starts to fail so it's kind of like um, a way to um make sure that bridge world has kind of like a dynamic inflation deflationary kind of cycle which i think is important for long-term sustainability um but building upon from that is uh, we're building kind of like a. Uh, infrastructure for um different groups of guilds and nft collections to basically compete over the harvesters so these are like as, as i mentioned where they're kind of like sushi pools with concentrated yields uh, nft collections can like stake in them and then boost the yields so right now we have like the legions collections soon after we're building for like different collections such as like the smalls and then some other ecosystem games like battlefly to be able to compete fight over a harvester and then take over that pool and then also stake their NFTs. So we're kind of creating this dynamic where um, different NFT collections can enter the ecosystem and have skirmishes over these pools and magic staking pools. Um, so it's kind of like, um, if you want to draw the analogy from like Dune, like you have these harvesters crawling around and basically different um, like nations or NFT collections fighting over it. So I guess the way we look at it is kind of like collections on nations. There's interplay between guilds and games is collective bargaining between guilds and games and their ability to exert influence and how uh, Bridgeworld and the Treasure Dow metagame evolves. And um, I guess the way we think about it is like, how do we design on a macro level um, the ability to engage and foster cooperatives to behave in pro-social ways to help grow um, the Treasure Down ecosystem. So that's kind of like a rough overview about it. Um,
0: yeah, so l- let me get some questions in because uh, is, is, it kind of seems like this is the metagame of... The magic ecosystem, as in, uh, I'm getting into the gist that, like, the, uh, the bridge world is, like, the hub of everything. Is that correct? Yeah, like... like uh, sorry, I... just let me elaborate on that. Uh, it's not just a one flavor of a particular metaverse. It's not, like, one game. It is, like, the connecting uh, central hub between all the other metaverses. And it's where, like, there's this meta game between the other metaverses being played. Yeah, that's, that's
1: correct. So it's kind of like, um, I guess the DeFi analogy is like with Curve, you have Curve the Protocol and then you have all these other guilds you know, playing the Curve Wars kind of game, competing against each other. We're kind of structuring a little bit different, so it's not as like kind of like free-for-all, but rather um, games in our ecosystem are participating as, um, as like the participants in this metagame, yeah. And they're basically, um, what we're turning it into is um, kind of like a, almost like a contest framework so, that's um, something game agnostic, eventually evolving into something that's probably more like esports tournaments and stuff like that between games. At the early stages, it's like um, it, it would just be basic staking games. So, yeah.
0: Uh, okay. So, I'm going to go ahead and guess that judging from the YouTube comments right now, that the Treasure Hunter Guild is the most powerful guild. Did I get that one right? <laughs> I think that's just someone shilling. It's more (laughs) than one um... person. Let me tell you.
3: There's two. There's actually quite a few. I think there's, you know, 12 plus in total. um, And it's been quite... It's quite crazy in terms of just the, the vibrancy of the of the community, um, just initiatives, um, guilds, etc. There's one um, that's kind of come about. So the MDD or Magic Dragon Guild, uh, a bunch of kind of you know DeFi uh, kind of experts, been around in the game for a long time. Um, they have built out a uh, you know really interesting kind of pooling mechanism, such that you know people can pull and leverage uh, group resources. It's probably one of the first to kind of pull that together. Um, they've been able to pull in you know some pretty amazing TBL. At the start, um, you know, we've been speaking to them uh, around, like, how we can continue to kind of build out tooling together, um, because ultimately, and a lot of them are OG treasure people, they're trying to build for the longer term. Um, class with Clock Snatcher, who've also kind of teamed up with one of the other games uh, called Battlefly, are trying to do the same thing. So we've got these, like, really talented, um, highly engaged, very passionate people trying to build out tooling uh, in a lot of ways, which, is, again, just kind of further validates. Um, I guess the, the overall thesis. I think probably just the other thing to kind of touch on that um, Peter discussed as well, kind of think of like BridgeWorld was the origins, so to speak. Um, it's where a lot of the concentration of the, the magic kind of resides um, and even the treasure NFTs. And in a lot of ways they're actually, we're using BridgeWorld uh, to seed um, and nearly validate um, these other partner projects coming in. So you can kind of think of if you're contesting uh, for magic commissions through these harps of battles, you're nearly kind of like validating um, that partner project in some way. Um, because they're able to now you know grab this resource which is now collectively um, agreed as having value um, and so the extent to which you can do that and then overlay in like deep hooks with their nfts within bridgeworld itself and then Bridgewell within their own ecosystem you've now just you know appended uh, another project you've like given life to something and that's how you kind of build out this network and it becomes quite large over time and that's like the the network effect uh, kind of thesis in a nutshell.
0: Can we can we dive into the harvesters because I want to understand that mechanism a little bit better. So I'm assuming there's there's this is part of the magic emission. So there's a certain amount of magic to be harvested, uh, and then that magic can be harvested in a particular by via a particular mechanism. Can you explain that mechanism? Whoever can explain that best.
1: Yeah. So um. So harvests are they're, they're kind of like uh, concentrated pools with concentrated yields that uh, guilds or games themselves can control like you construct stuff you stake them in those pools and then you get to enjoy like boosted yields on that you can boost it by adding staking nft collections on them and uh doing other in-game kind of items um actions and not creating items for them but overall like um what we're building towards is the ability so imagine with sushi pools that if you can kind of like as an NFT collection take over one and then challenge each other for pools and be able to stake in them. So what we're building towards with these uh, harvests is like contests that are kind of almost like a tournament uh, or a contest framework between different guilds and games. So kind of like uh, Olympic games of Gamefly, right? Um, And the idea is that once we provide the economic kind of like uh, infrastructure underlying these contests, then we can change the game formats which, uh, which are being played. So it's kind of like the Nintendo cartridge analogy. So right now it might be like staking games, King of the Hills kind of battles. But eventually, as we you know, get more resources and build higher quality games, maybe the game format can change.
0: And how do NFT, like, I think you harvest these with NFTs, correct?
1: You, you harvest it with a combination of staking magic and NFTs. So the NFTs are multipliers. They boost your ability to harvest yield.
0: For a particular uh, guild?
1: For a particular guild. So right now it's like Legions, because like uh-huh. Legions is the main collection for Bridgeworld. But as we open up and integrate more collections, like say smalls, they'll be able to challenge allegiance for control over one of the harvesters. And then once they obtain control, they can stake smalls.
0: Okay. And then how does an external project, can you walk me, if I'm an external project, got some NFTs, uh, I would like to be hooked into the magic ecosystem. I think what I need to do first is to find my way into harvesting. I think that's my first step I think is that correct and then if that is correct how do my NFTs become part of the magic ecosystem so they can be enabled to harvest
1: Yeah so with that like uh, we have a few games that are basically um, they're building their collections and then they're they're building up a treasury of magic and NFT collections to be able to stake and earn more magic and then as they get more involved they'll be able to craft like parts that you use to you know build harvesters and also challenge for those harvesters so essentially, it's like we'll will provide a path for external collections and games that want to integrate to build up the treasury and then be able to play this game. Yeah, I think probably the the
3: other thing is because um, you know we're relatively early on um, in the piece in terms of that, and so like Harvesters as a construct is like somewhat complicated on the back end. Um, I mean, like you know Peter's done an amazing job um, together with End and you know our devs and kind of bringing this to light, and we're still kind of refining the, the mechanisms. But you know, mm-hmm. we've also kind of launched uh, another framework, like an ecosystem integration framework, to help onboard partners. So, if you're wanting to get you know involved in some way, shape, or form with the treasure ecosystem, uh, we've got like a grants program now, so we can help kind of bootstrap you from like an OpEx perspective. That that kind of makes sense. But then also emissions as well. And so we kind of sit down um, with these kind of di- different partners uh, to kind of work through the the token design to ensure that there's you know really solid token token sinks in there, like from both sides. One, from like their own just mechanics actually makes sense. And then two, the integration, you know, with magic and then kind of three, kind of extending that to the the broader like network of games that sit there. And that's kind of one of the key things. And then ultimately, like the actual game itself actually can stand on its own team feet. It's generally fun to play and people will engage with it. And so that's kind of like the the first step in the door. Once you kind of legitimize that, um, then you can start to kind of fold into, I guess, the more sophisticated harvester side of things. I guess one of the hardest things that you know, we've been kind of grappling in, grappling with is that because you've got so many interrelated parts and so many you know, people coming from different directions, that trying to find um, balance, um, particularly of value and of recognized value of all these different assets is, is incredibly challenging. And so if you kind of just let people go for a free-for-all, um, you'll have these kind of m- massive um, kind of inconsistencies and in the arbitrage opportunities. We don't necessarily want to kind of just unlock the tap of that just yet. We're kind of taking a crawl walk run approach if that kind of makes sense so we're kind of going releasing a bit of a framework working with the the ecosystem builders kind of refining that seeing what works kind of tweak it again uh, to move it into something you know that we can really start to, to scale out
0: right so going back to the nintendo analogy like nintendo didn't just open its up open up its doors and say hey anyone come build a game they were probably highly selective highly curative and only picked quality and onboarded each one game at a time as Nintendo was ready for that. Is that kind of the, the gist here?
3: I, I think at the, at the start, yes. I mean, you know, we operate in Web3 where technically like anyone can just build a game and say, hey, I want to use, I want to integrate magic or treasures into the ecosystem. There's, there's nothing kind of preventing someone from doing that. But I think I always find it's, it's better if we kind of work together uh, around doing that because it's just, you know, the design is, is a lot more kind of thoughtful. Uh, and meaningful if we can do that. So it is somewhat more curated in that sense, particularly to the extent that you know we can help them uh, as well. So we still, you know, we have limited uh, and finite resources. Um, we've got our first kind of cohort, um, which will be probably released next week, um, which we're kind of really excited about to kind of build that out. And that's nearly again, going to be this kind of iterative proof of concept um, that we're saying, hey, we're kind of trying to validate this what works and we, we can kind of just, you know, to your point before, it's very modular, uh, we can tweak it, but we're not solely relying on any, you know, any singular projects um, because we are creating uh, that, that network.
0: Okay. I think this is the, the last question I want to ask before we uh, get on to different subjects, but uh, I think it was Peter that um, alluded to this, how the uh, the bridge world changes over time. Uh, and it, the I think the me, uh, and i'll i'll put this into my words and pd you can check me if i'm wrong but like the the there's a certain emission schedule there's certain parameters certain rules for bridge world but then it changes and that's like changing the meta of a, if this, if we're viewing this as an mmorpg what you're doing with these i don't know changing ecosystems is you're changing the meta and you talked about how it's key for sustainability what showed up in my, my brain when you said that was like kind of like a changing of the seasons, like going from spring to summer is like growing in a healthy season. But then you got to contract and you go from like fall to winter. Is that kind of, is that what you were alluding to? Was I catching on to the right thing there?
1: Yeah, that's 100%. Yeah, that's smack bang on, on um, <laughs> right on the dot. And uh, it kind of goes back to some like the founding articles that uh, I kind of discovered from like written by the team before I was, you know, working there. Um, you know, they have these articles that, you know, basically outline you know, liquidity as time, liquidity is seasons and so forth. So kind of like tying the game mechanics back to like the overall health of the ecosystem and then adjusting levers in a way that you know, makes it more sustainable. So if there's overinflation, we have like global mechanics that slows that down, pulls the levers back. And then having like checks and balances between like the guilds and the long-term stakers to be able to help control that. And then uh, with, the, with the idea that, you know, um, we can smooth out some of these um, fluctuations in the economy.
0: Yeah, I really, really like this model. And um, it's just something that, uh, a concept that I think a lot of people should be paying attention to because this happens to crypto at large. Uh, In the 2017 bull market, It was like the crypto industry, this very, very nascent crypto industry had an insane amount of just like fertilizer, water, and sunlight just dumped onto it before it had even evolved into becoming a self-sustaining ecosystem. So we had all these like weird non-functioning plants that were growing all over the place because they were, this is the ICO mania. Uh, And then the bear market came and all these non-functioning plants came and got like wiped out. And then, you know. The ecosystem almost died. Like Ethereum almost died in 2018 to 2019, but like we had Uniswap grow, we had MakerDAO grow, and then we had the DeFi summer season where like the sunlight and the fertilizer came back. But now we had these really good plants. And like understanding crypto from like the lens of biology, I think is really helpful. And if you're telling me that like uh, the magic ecosystem gets shaken up every now and then, and like the, 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 it gets, the fat gets trimmed and like things got to stay healthy and not get out over its ski tips and got to maintain competitiveness. Uh, If that's the motivations behind this, I I think that's super elegant. I think that's great.
1: Yeah. That that's like what we're aiming for. Like, um, I think, um, a lot of the, especially with like a lot of the farming kind of opportunities, the emission schedules and so forth, it's, Mm -hmm. it's not really like, they created with some degree of long-term like thinking in mind, but, Really, it's like, well, what's the end game here? Like, can it last 10 years? Can it last 20 years and so forth? So, having something that has cycles of like booms and busts, I think is probably the design that we want to go for for sustainability. I think that's,
3: yeah, and that's one of the kind of key parts. Like, there is just like a, a natural dynamism with social um, interaction, right? Like, people evolve, times change. Like, there's a meta that kind of shifts um, all the time, and we need to be, very open to that and kind of go where the where the kind of the the narrative goes you know within the broader context of what we're trying to shape i think like back in the day where everyone was like you know coders law you can't change anything um and it was incredibly rigid whereas i think we're trying to take a, a much more kind of modular dynamic approach if things need to change um you know we will change it um you know based on data based on the community feedback um but you kind of you do need to be very open open to that uh and just kind of you know be <laughs> fluid like water so to speak
0: All right, guys, uh, we've already covered such an insane amount of ground so far, but there's a lot left to cover. I want to circle back around to the long term vision for the magic token. I want to ask you guys about this NFT platform that I hear that you guys are building And overall, kind of just give my take as to like what you guys are are building. We hinted at it a little bit uh, in the nation state model, but I kind of want to dive into that a little bit more. Also, there's a community video that we've got queued up and ready to go. So that is about to come. Uh, And so all of these are coming in the second half of the show. Before we get there, though, I'd love it if the chat just spam the word, L. Uh, what is it? What's uh, Treasure Hunter Guild? Uh, if all the Treasure Hunter Guild members can just spam the chat, because chat activity helps this video get uh, up to the top of YouTube. So do likes and so do subscribe. So if you guys want more people to learn about magic, spam the chat, like the video, and also subscribe to Bankless. We're gonna be right back in the second half of the show with a bunch of really cool subjects and goodies. Uh, and that's coming up next, right after we get through some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. All right, guys, we are back. And the next part of the Magic Treasure ecosystem I want to ask about is Smallverse. Uh, and apparently, John, you are the mastermind behind Smallverse. Can you tell us what is Smallverse and how it plugs into the whole uh, Treasure ecosystem?
2: Um, yeah, I'm small dev. Uh, Smallverse started as Small Brains um, last fall, and um, I was—I uh, don't—I can't remember. It was like a shower thought sort of thing. I was there were all these NFTs that um, you staked and then you got a token. And um, I remember thinking, oh, well, what if, you know, it was a monkey and you stake and then its IQ goes up. And so its brain gets bigger. And then um, I wanted to do, you know, magic is a social coordination game. And so if the average IQ of these monkeys is going up, then their world should be advancing. So we also had this public land, that would add new landmarks for every 10 IQ points, um, the monkeys went up. And so I sort of sketched this out and then I told a few friends and they kind of thought it was funny and that was the reaction I was going for. Um, So we actually launched it for the Treasure Marketplace as a growth strategy to just try and it seemed like it could be viral as a meme and this could be a way to get um, eyes onto what we were building on Arbitrum and then it blew up and got on CNBC um, next to like compared to punks and um, um, bake and stuff. And the coolest part about that is um, our whole community makes these custom smalls. It's a huge part of it. And the one that got on CNBC was actually a commonopoly derivative of a small, um, which I, I really like because um, small brains is the the thing I've done in my life that I'm, I'm proudest of. Like, there's no pretentiousness to it. It's about as smart as I think I am. Like, and I want to just be, you know, I just want... To do good on the earth and be an authentic person, and that's like there was no authenticity in NFTs at that point. It was it had reached like the greed level of DeFi summer, um, the the antisocialness, and so we just did this thing that was like, hopefully, you know, an organic community forms around it, and and that's what I love about the small derivatives. Is it's like we're not gonna, you know, it it would be a betrayal of like the small ethos to have someone walk into court and sue someone else over it. It should be this like little icon that just makes people happy and can, yeah, just uh, demonstrate that the internet can be a way to bring people together um, as opposed to, you know, in their truest self, rather than um, like self-aggrandizement or what. Um, so, yeah, so it started off as a growth strategy that just kind of um, created this amazing community um, that that's still thriving.
0: Okay, so, think, yeah. yeah, sorry, go ahead. I was just
3: gonna say like, um, the actual, the, the origins, uh, the, the, the right at the start is, uh, you know, something that I think really kind of bonded the community it was it's quite a funny story. Um, like I, I think originally all you had to do oh, was yeah, to yeah. <laughs> was to like paint a you know draw a picture of a monkey. It could be any quality. It was a free mint as well as we, as with all things that we've done. You know, kind of up to this point. But, um, John, I don't know if you want to kind of tell like how I got minted, just the <laughs> just the, the the debauchery and like the the funniness that kind of ensued um, thereafter. Uh, it was pretty pretty amazing, but I think it brought the community together. It's like really characteristic of um, like a, a grassroots um or
2: treasure you know like this whole this whole project has been a a comedy of errors that each error led to an innovation like um we had to choose in the original treasure farm how much each project was going to get and um the end project had jumped up to like you know three ETH or something but then it it dropped like 90 percent in a couple weeks and so they were with those farmers were just dumping mercilessly into us and the project was Basically dead, but then Garp out of nowhere comes into the Discord and it's like, "Here's how we save this, and this is the tokenomics." So that's actually what propelled Magic to success was this like dire moment. And the same thing happened in Smalls, where um, I had been focused so much on Osmosis and um, Treasure and trying to get this project out that apparently this there was this like phenomenon of like, and I guess it's still going on. I don't really trade NFTs enough to notice it, but people will hack like the admins' Discord account to try and um, trick people into minting somewhere else i didn't know that people did this um and so we were going to launch it at 7 a.m the next morning and it was taking forever and i was up at 2 a.m and so i decided at the last second like screw it let's just launch it right now and then um uh our mods in the discord thought i had been hacked and like went to twitter and said this is a scam i tried to get on a voice channel and they were all panning me saying this is a scammer and i had to make a a little, um, you know, like one of those hostage videos the next morning saying like my name and um, this is me and this is for I'm real. I'm not at gunpoint. Yeah, basically. Like uh, I'm just really small brained I think is what I said in the video, uh, but it brought everyone to- together. Um, and that was kind of the point of it was just to um, just try and be humble and, um, and laugh more.
0: Okay. So, but how does it connect into magic and like, so what's the association between the small brains project and the treasure ecosystem and the magic token?
2: Can you connect all these things for us? Yeah. So those worlds will collide. They are, they couldn't be more different in terms of character sets. Mm. And we want to show this is another form a proof of concept is that these worlds can be connected um, through the magic resource. And we've been slowly um, rolling this out and um, it's going to be, they're going to be able to earn magic um soon um we've just been careful kind of with these integrations because um yeah easing into them is probably the way to go
0: okay and so it's just like we uh, a version of the metaverse that's getting plugged in is it going to be its own guild is that what a guild is like there will there be a small brain guild or is that something else am i conflating two things
2: um so and i can do a little alpha leak so there's actually gonna be small coin and um small coin we're gonna do the same thing that we did with magic so, Magic um, aggregated um, four communities um, in a gold, loot, and treasure, and then um, what what emerged was like this fair, this huge burst of creativity because we combined multiple communities that um, that were kind of struggling um, to build things because they lacked the money. So, with Small Coin, we're gonna actually um, it's going to be with um, uh, about nine collections from Layer One that includes um, Kaiju Kings and Wamaverse and there's um, Deluxe and several other ones, and they're gonna come over and um, earn small coin. And we're gonna build um, a open composable metaverse um, together. Um, the idea being it's really hard for a single project to build infrastructure big enough to rival, um, you know, uh, companies that basically have a stranglehold on parts of uh, the metaverse, quote unquote, metaverse right now. I don't think they're metaverse personally, but like Sandbox, for instance, um, you know, it, that's why everyone goes to Polygon it, um, because of like these exclusive deals or whatnot. So like, let's just get a bunch of people together and see if we can't build, um, larger infrastructure, which is like one way that treasure Dow continue growing is that, you know, we can add new currencies and bring, and bring new builders tokens in. Um, it doesn't just have to be, um, that these games utilize magic. They can also utilize small coin and, um. We're just building a, a, a multivariate economy, yeah.
0: Wait, so is the news of the small coin,
2: to according to the community,
0: did that just drop just now? That, that was it?
2: Um, well, that, it's going to feature Kaiju Kings, LlamaVerse, Anonymous, Bears Deluxe, and several others. Um, that'll be announced soon. What are, what are yeah, all those that's things? That's awful. Um, those are NFT collections okay. on layer one. Okay. Um, that are going to have their own P2E economies okay. and... Um, Yeah. So we're going to try and, Why
0: did everyone in the chat just start spamming Battlefly?
2: (laughs) Oh, so yeah. So Battlefly is, um, is this amazing game from that's a partner project that actually utilizes magic and Ben, um, who is designing that, you know, he's an amazing guy. He came to us when our market cap had cratered to $300,000 and was willing to cut a check. Um, right then and there for the entire market cap to keep us going because he believed in it. And then um, he's now building this incredible game. Um, I think they raised 12 million and they have like a staff of 25 um, to show that, you know, partners can utilize magic directly in game, um, which is, I was going to say, earlier, there's like three main ways that, you know, the DAO will grow as a network. There's like utilizing magic in game projects, like building around our metaverse, like these small derivatives, And then um, the DAO actually catalyzing new networks like Smallcoin.
0: Very cool. Okay, guys, I think there's two subjects left that I know I want to touch on. One being the NFT platform, the second being a brand new Layer 1. Are there any other subjects that we should talk about before we get to those two?
2: Uh, The community piece? Is Uh, is it time? Uh, Sure, sure, yeah. Well, you asked earlier, like, why can't someone else just make a magic token mm-hmm. like us. Right. And, and to me, I try to say this, like every time we do this, this really was lightning in a bottle where I, I had an incredibly fragile and not very sophisticated idea. And then, um, and I'm not saying this um, arrogantly, next to CryptoPunks, we're the most successful fair launch project in NFTs just because we've drawn in, you know, literally dozens of um, contributors who, who took this like very simple idea and turned it into something powerful. And now it does function as, you know, you can, um, you can have rival layer ones to Ethereum, but it would be a very bad idea to bet against a network um, with the best innovators and the most complexity um, inside of it. Um, you know, and that's, that's what um, Treasures Moat is long-term. And uh, yeah, we made a video to just like, this isn't the full extent of the community, but these are people I could get last minute to just talk about what they built um, with us.
0: Yeah. Okay. So uh, this was a uh, uh, something I saw on Twitter, and, and this is actually how we ended up making this episode. As like, yo, what community should I cover on on Bankless next on the Alpha Leak? What? What uh, community should we uh, go into? What token should I investigate? And overwhelmingly, it was TreasureDAO and Magic. And I can't remember how, but somebody talked about, like, playing a video or something. And I basically tweeted out, like, yo, whatever, uh, whatever quick video that the Treasure community can put together in, like, the 36 hours before this show happens, uh, I will play it. So that is what is about to happen right now. Any last comments before I hit the play button? No? No, go for it. I'm going to do it. All right. Uh, Everyone in the YouTube, here this goes.
2: Hi, I'm Aurelia, and I made the design for the first Legends collection. My name's Karel, and like many, I started out as a community member who built something called Treasure Tools, a companion product to help people navigate and connect with the treasure ecosystem. Hi, I'm PixelMath, and I'm the artist who created the art for small brains. I'm Traveler, I started in the community and then stepped up involvement to helping found Smallverse projects. And here,
3: product leader, virtual live, made a suggestion on Discord back in October and got scouted by John. My name is Andy Amo. I write lore for treasure. I'm Ben. At one point in the first
1: month, I was 15% of the total magic liquidity pool. I'm Timo Ruggie and I've helped with
2: creative decisions and art. I'm an animator, director, living in London. Hey, Maxime here, creative director and motion designer for Smallverse. I started hosting weekly small talk spaces.
3: I help treasure with my small artwork by giving out free customs
2: for the community upon request. Hi, my name is Topu, and I create custom small brains. I'm working with the community to build small wishes. I'm RabbitFly, one of five quartet team members on The Last Samurai. I'm Sisu, a ship post and I bring people together. Hey, I'm Cheese. I initially found out about Treasure when I was um, foaming hard on loot, and then I was fortunate enough to be like asked to help out on the front end, and the rest is pretty much history. I'm X. Day one Deja, and Minta. Back when we moved from uh, L1 to L2, I helped a lot of people. Hey, I'm Human and I created the Legion concept.
1: This is a non-DOT-A, I am running daily treasure market update called The Small Street Journal. Hey, I'm Nathan and I go by the name Ikali as a producer and a DJ. I found TreasureDAO right at launch on layer one when the project was being marketed as a loot derivative. And over the next year I became involved as a community contributor by creating the theme music for Bridgeworld and other projects within the Treasure ecosystem.
2: My name's John Mann and I'm the original creator of the Game of Life and the current lead on the Trove Marketplace. I met with John and the team last year during the loot derivative craze and fell in love with the ethos and community and I've been helping out ever since. I joined the Treasure family for free
3: by staking Project N in the original Genesis mine. Back when the marketplace exploit
2: happened, I built an NFT tracking app to see all the NFTs that got taken and allow us to watch in real time as they were almost all returned.
0: Hey, it's Commonopoly. In December, after the Small Brains launch, I started customizing people's Small Brains PFPs. What started out as one request by a community member quickly turned into many. And over the course of December, I produced hundreds of custom Small Brain artwork, bringing together projects from all around the NFT space. All right. Not many communities can put together a video like that in, in such short notice. And that actually just brings me to a perfect next question. How big is the DAO and how big is the labor side of the DAO? Like how many contributors are there? And like, how are you guys structured? Are you guys structured as like, uh, are you getting incorporated anywhere or how do, how do you guys coordinate labor?
3: Good. Good question. I think one of the challenges that we've kind of faced over time is that because we have been kind of grassroots, it's, it's, um, it's been somewhat kind of chaotic, it's, uh, if you kind of think of like an It's, it's pretty cowboy piece. Kind of,
0: yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, you kind of start with like this little, little seed and then all like the networks just kind of go out in various directions, you know, we are like fully distributed across the world. Um, I'd say, you know, as a from a core contributor, like on the on the books, so to speak, we're probably getting close to 30, 30 plus. Um, across like all variants, artists, devs, front-end, back-ends, um, like product leads, uh, growth partnerships, all that kind of stuff across across the board, across the world. Um, so that's kind of one. But then I'd say like the broader community, guilds, ecosystem builders, people who build tooling on top of us, people who are building projects and want to integrate on us. Uh, I, it's hard to put a number on that. I, I think that's like pretty large. I mean, 70,000 followers plus on on kind of um, Twitter, plus another 45 plus on, um, on smalls, uh, plus another like 30 40 uh, in discord and then i'd say you know if you add up all the kind of the partner project as well um you know it's it's a pretty sizable community uh, and i think the key thing is not just numbers it's just like the passion that they have in it that these people are investing their time and to your point before being able to turn around such a, an amazing kind of video like that um where people have you know been with us day one we've had like near-death moments multiple times but it's just like we've become stronger every time. We were kind of, you know, laughing about it before, but we've, we've gone through like the whole FUD bingo card, so to speak, and um, made it um, out through the other side, um, somehow, um, and where, you know, we're all kind of bonded together um, through that journey. Um, I think it's pretty, pretty unique in that sense. It's pretty, and as we like to say, you can't fork community. So um, that's something that uh, we, we like to kind of use as a kind of unifying unifying kind of theme.
0: So one one thing I'm getting from you guys is you guys can execute super well, but but you said you I mean, you didn't say you're incorporated anywhere. So you're, I think I'm going with the whole it's DAO, DAO first. How do who where's the leadership? Where is the coordination? How is this getting all coordinated?
3: Um, so we we do have um, we are working through kind of legal structures at the moment, so that there is one, um, and we're kind of refining that over time. I think. Again, because we we launched first and were decentralized, um, we're in a you know a much better position kind of you know regulatory wise than maybe some others that went the other way. Um, but at the same time, to your question, you have got people in the states. We've actually got a pretty strong Australian contingent um, as well, which is a, I think pretty uh, pretty rare. I think that was mainly due to the time that it was launched, um, which was really,
2: three a.m. Um, American time. Yeah,
3: <laughs> it was prime time Australian time. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say probably in terms of concentration. Um, various over uh, over the states um, yeah definitely in kind of um, Australia I've got some New Zealands kind of Japan um, across Europe as well so yeah time zones is as a, a nightmare <laughs> uh, in terms of tooling it's like you know standard slack um, kind of
0: discord that kind of stuff and like how many how many people in the slack for example
2: uh, more than more than that because we coordinate our partner talks in there so probably 50 to 60. Uh-huh. Um, and then, you know, so one thing we had to do as an organization is when we started scaling, we needed to bring in web two people who were extremely good at process. and Right. Uh, yes. Okay. Management. That's what
0: I'm getting at is like, where are the yeah. web two structure corporate type people Or I'm assuming you guys have to have some of
2: these types. We definitely, um, I, this is like, I would strongly encourage this to anyone trying to make a DAO is to think about this sooner than we did. Like we, we plucked a, um, amazing, Um, project manager from google who's sitting atop all of our verticals and going through and has worked out this system where we can easily see what people are working on how much time they have and then you know there's just complexities to that kind of job that i didn't even know about beforehand and there is a value to web2 people and the people building trove which uh, i guess we're going to talk about here in a second are from google and amazon and um yeah web2 web2 people and there is a they aren't all, you know, not these people, like in general, I've noticed they're the best, you know, that, um, but like web two and web three are different in that web three, you have to ship um, as fast as possible. And sometimes shipping speed and like staying up with viral trends is more important than how well you execute, which isn't like the web two mentality where you, you can take your time. So it, there's a struggle between um, when, when you put those two types of people together.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but you guys definitely seem to be on the uh, leading edge of DAO coordination with the centralized mindset because uh, this is a topic for a different day, but I'm going to bring it up anyways. DAOs aren't DAOs. They're do's. They're digital organizations. They're not decentralized autonomous organizations. They're just digital organizations. So you need that, that Web 2 sort of like corporate structure because those people are good at that while also needing that Web 3 complexity at the edges element. And it seems to be that you guys have um, discovered best of both worlds with this.
3: Yeah, we've got some uh, really good balance of, of kind of mix. I would, I would put myself into that bucket. You know, I've worked 10 years plus in, I guess, in the old uh, kind of Web2 world, um, corporate structure. So I'm pretty kind of um, familiar with that and just trying to, I guess, you know, professionalize and polish, uh, put polish on, on, on the way that we operate. But at the same time, you know, I really love the, the, the craziness and the chaoticness of kind of Web3 because you just, you definitely don't see that in a lot of Web2 constructs. It's just over-engineered lots of red tape. So trying to meld the best of both worlds um, is a real kind of balancing act that we're still learning to this day. We definitely haven't got it right um, yet, but we're getting in the right people. Um, You know, like the Trope people, as kind of John mentioned, ex-Amazon, they're bringing all the rigor around that, um, getting Google in as well. Um, But it's just finding that right balance between, you know, having like over-engineering process frameworks with being able to facilitate shipping fast, um, not letting kind of perfect be the enemy of like shipping something good enough to then kind of iterate on. Um, And crypto has the fastest feedback loop. I mean, any industry that I've ever seen. So, yeah, um, that, that part's amazing. Sometimes too fast, um, but it's, uh, yeah, you, you always get to, to know whether people like what you're doing or not.
2: And we brought in people from Web2 who might mean nearly everyone on Treasure um, self selected into it so that they all had like the crypto native vibes and then the um, professionalism and organization of Web2. So it was the, it, well, you know, behind the scenes, it, maybe it looks like I can. Th- I've heard people say, like, you're not executing your projects, but behind the scenes, I mean, the ability, how, the level we scaled and what we're about to execute is, um, yeah, I'm pretty proud of it.
0: Yeah. Okay. Awesome, guys. Um, okay. Getting closer to the end here. Uh, let's talk about the NFT marketplace. Um, who should I ask about that? And uh, what is it?
3: Um, yeah, I mean, I can jump in. I, I think you're you referring to kind of Troy. And maybe I'll, yeah. I'll take a kind of step back and just kind of touch on the two marketplaces. So yeah. the current marketplace we have at the moment is the, the treasure marketplace. It's denominated Magic. And I, I think you know, it's a really important kind of piece of infrastructure in holding um, you know, a whole thesis together because it's, it's basically the nexus um, for kind of binding uh, all the, the variant kind of deeply integrated ecosystems within one network. Uh, and that's played a really vital role. It also helps kind of bootstrap kind of magic and help push it through um, all these economies as well because it is denominated magic. And then, you know, because they're collecting royalties in magic, we can kind of work with them around how we fold in kind of token sinks. So that's kind of one that's more of a curated process. We've just onboarded, you know, six kind of partners probably expecting a whole bunch more um, down the track as well. The second one is Trove um, by Treasure. Um, and so that's a generalized marketplace. I think one of the things we saw... And this, I guess partly by chance we moved to Arbitrum is that there wasn't really, a you know, a vibrant kind of NFT community there at, at that time. Um, it, it was still a lot of DeFi kind of heavy, but n- not as much on the NFT side. We kind of came over there and, and nearly um, in some ways kind of created a, a moat, so to speak, because there was no one at scale there. So we'll be able to, you know, we were really able to kind of uh, launch that. And actually what we found is that people were really um, looking out for like, what is a really nice kind of layer to leverages kind of Ethereum, the security of the network, um, but where's an option for that? Uh, and we had lots of partners approaching us saying, hey, maybe I don't necessarily want to be integrated within, uh, within Magic itself, but like, do you have, you know, can we actually get lists on there? And so there was so much demand there that, that kind of seeded this next thought, which is around, okay, well, there is demand for um, a generalized marketplace. And that's kind of what Trove by treasure is. And what we're trying to do there, it's all around kind of gamification um, of, of users um, into the actual marketplace itself, obviously creating uh, a really good user experience, kind of catering to that. but um engaging them in a way that is you know is just more than just like buying and selling kind of nfts so to speak um and then kind of weaving in um the the overarching token um, token economics but that will be denominated in eth uh, and potentially usdc as well or some form of stable so it le- makes it a little bit more accessible uh, and it's not just p2e uh, or, or games it could be a pfps generative art like the whole uh, gamut
2: yeah and uh, i was telling someone uh this the other day that so we're the alien in Alien, where we burst out of the chest and we were the super fragile thing. We had to run away for a while to Arbitrum, um, but now we're big and um, we're going to start um, yeah, trying to eat away into bigger market shares um, when the Alien comes back. And Trove will be like our first foray into that.
0: Bigger market shares. Well, the only other two market shares that are out there are, are OpenSea, valued at 13 billion, and Looks Rare, which is, I don't know how large that's valued, at, but at least a couple billion, I think. Uh, really ambitious. Are you guys trying to eat into just the general NFT trading volume market? Is that what the goal of this marketplace is? Like, you just want NFT volume on your guys' marketplace?
2: Yeah, it's a divestment strategy mostly for us. So even if we don't take down um, um OpenSea or you know, I mean, the amount of time we save, and just to be able to have this fundraising thing where we're not having to like sell our native token OTC, um, and then we can just use our the magic we're earning through the marketplace to reinvest in new builders and stuff. That's ideal um, for us. But you know, I think we're gonna we're gonna be able to allow collections from layer one, and then we've also taken this kind of idiosyncratic bet that layer two. Um, Arbitrum does have the security of um, layer one functionally, and it's um, cheaper. and Users love using it, and um, over time, it's kind of you. You see these collections that are like halfway committing to layer two, and but they're going to look like you know, um, it'll look kind of absurd over time to have not committed to to um, layer two. Um, yeah. I think it also
3: like, allows us to, like, um, have a mechanism to go cross-chain as well um, if we need to, because, you know, a lot of the value is still on L1 um, from a, a trading perspective. Uh, and lots of the, the infrastructure like GEM, et cetera, um, will eventually go cross-chain. So the extent to which we can kind of tap into that, I think, is um, going to be really great. It just kind of adds another um, kind of piece of infrastructure into this, like, broader infra stack that we're building um, across the board. And so, you know, we've got our home in Arbitrum at the moment. We'll obviously explore kind of going forward like go where the users are, so to speak. Um, but this is just like a, another kind of, um, you know, way for us to build out in the same way that Treasure Marketplace um, did that for us as well.
0: Right. Well, and it makes a ton of sense, right? Because if people are going to be participating in the Treasure ecosystem, and as more and more cartridges get added to the Nintendo or more and more metaverses get plugged into uh, the hub, the bridge world, I think that's the right way to phrase it. Um, then you're just going to need to be able to facilitate more and more types of economic activity. And NFT trading seems to be the obvious one. Um, is there any other aspects of the story that we haven't covered yet?
3: Um, the, the, I think that's the part. And just going back to that point we said before, which is around like, how do we create and build the, the GDP of the network basically um, that we're building here and the, the NFT marketplace helps um, supercharge that. And it also just feeds the, the flywheel that we're doing as well, which allows us to reinvest into project as well uh, and more infrastructure.
0: Okay, guys, I think this brings us to our last topic of conversation before I share my mental model for what this whole magic thing is because I've got some ideas that I've been forming uh, while we've been speaking and while I was doing some research ahead of time. So I want to share that with the community. I think the community is going to love it. But from what I hear, you guys are thinking about uh, hopping onto and building out a brand new Layer 1 blockchain. Is that true? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, what's the story there? What's the, what's the, um, what's the ut- what would be the utility for a Layer 1 blockchain for the Treasury ecosystem?
2: Well, uh, there are two reasons for me. The first is that, you know, pretty much every money in crypto, it gets its moneyness because it is the native token of the blockchain. You'd be hard pressed to find an example that isn't true for besides like Ohm and Temple. And they've had, um, you know, they had difficulties actually solidifying that. And so we have created these like games that it would actually fit very well um, if guilds were validators and like staking is a really important part of our game. And so we want to take it from, just a thing that helped us um, decrease the float so to accomplish price stability to being you know an like a literal um, consensus and and then uh, the second is that um, so I work at osmosis and um, the thing I really like about cosmos and I want to bring treasure into this world is that these self-sovereign chains there's such a like Um, just a state of play that goes on and the amount of creativity when you get to spin up new chains and think about um, changing the consensus in like really original ways that I don't think people realize like how degen some of this stuff um, is. Like, so osmosis, the big feature is going to be threshold encryption. So what if you could have um, no one knows what's in the mempool and then these transactions um, get validated and then revealed after they've been like finalized in a block form. Like not only is that amazing for DeFi um, and you, you know, it doesn't require any friction built on top. It's just actually built into the consensus, but it's good for gaming because it wouldn't be fun if like a guild could see what the other one was going to do. They would just, um, you know, it it, it, it eliminates the, the fun of it to like eliminate the strategy. And, it, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. You know, I've heard Cosmos people talking about well, like, well, what if, it was a DeFi chain and it was truly gasless because you're just paying out of like yield, even future yield or whatever, you know, like, um, that I, I, I like, I want to be near people who who can make our organization smarter because they're just brilliant. And, you know, they have that attitude of like, well, let's just pull this out and see if the machine still works. Um, you know,
3: it's also kind of like the, um, you know, the, the final piece if you kind of um, think about it in this kind of bottom up build, started with money's economic layer, proved that out through social coordination, bootstrap that through our own internal um, projects, kind of accelerated the flywheel by onboarding partners, building out infrastructure. So we're like literally building it out from the opposite way that a lot of people do, and then actually ending with a base layer, which then kind of solidifies and anchors everyone. Um, and if you kind of think about it in the same way that, you know, DFK did the same thing with a subnet on Avalanche, but you know we've been talking about this for a while as well, but like having magic as, you know, helping to secure the network, this again, um, it kind of really leans heavy into, you know, what Bridgewall is doing through the Atlas mine and what people are trying to compete with, kind of extending that through to, you know, securing this new chain, which is just adds a lot more kind of depth to, um, the utility of of magic kind of going forward as well, and you kind of apply that across deep primitives that we're going to be building on top of that, um, and you, you now have like you know this full end to end stack, um, which is held together by the that, that base layer.
2: Yeah, and it's we're sorry, um, uh, we're moving slowly, and not for technical reasons, but also cultural ones. Like Ethereum's advantage in NFTs is like extremely strong because it's you know, I feel like we kind of started chipping away at that when uh, the floor prices on our NFTs was like high enough for people to see, wow, you can actually have um, NFTs that can have value on L2. But you know, it's, it's a long battle to convince people to move uh, their ecosystem elsewhere.
0: So from my understanding with layer twos is that they can do everything that a layer one blockchain can, but they don't have to worry about their own security. And so like you, if, if my understanding is correct, and I'm, I think it is uh, like all of these like guilds that can be their own validator. All of those features are still preserved in a, in a layer two blockchain. uh, And it's just a matter of the guilds rather than having like layer one consensus, they can just propose and sequence transactions and propose blocks. But instead of for a layer one, it could be a layer two. So just maybe just answer the question twice. Why a layer one blockchain instead of building out your own native layer two? Uh,
2: I think they're, we've just sat down and brainstormed ideas of really cool stuff people should experiment with. Like what if NFTs were part of validator bonds or even block rewards? Or what if you had like the validator set, um, scaling with the user base? Um, just kind of like, yeah, stuff that you really need to have, um, total control to customize, um, the, 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 yeah, the blockchain itself. Um, and it would just be fun to experiment with that. That's that's what the whole loot thing was. It's just like yeah, mess with it and see see what happens.
0: Okay. Um were are you worried that becoming a new layer 1 blockchain would make you antagonistic to all the other layer 1 blockchains that are out there?
2: It would be like very it would be a very purpose um a very single purpose which is to have our games there. Um and there's just no way you can really have games um without them being like basically free at the transaction level. And, you know, we've seen Polygon break because of like a Stardew Valley um, clone. So, and they have like countless ecosystems. And I think all these ecosystems, user bases of all these um, niches in crypto are gonna 100X. So, I mean, that thing is just gonna continue breaking. Um, Self-sovereign chains are inevitable, I think.
0: Uh, I mean, the the ecosystem is over a billion dollars in market cap, but would you guys raise to uh, bootstrap this layer one effort?
3: Yeah, I, I think to in order to kind of do this um, properly and kind of thoughtfully, we we would definitely um, look at uh, the resources required. Um, so, you know, that's that's part of, kind of our planning uh, as well. We're trying to take a, you know, a thoughtful approach. Obviously, it's It's hard because we need to, um, you know, put it within the context of the macro environment. (laughs) No one's really sure where that's kind of heading, so to speak. So, obviously, just trying to secure our runway, make sure that we're still delivering on our roadmap without overextending ourselves. We've shipped very fast, as you kind of mentioned in the past, but we just want to make sure that we know we are slowing down, that we're doing things well, um, while not kind of losing that essence of kind of Web three. That building out that that chain, we want to do that properly, but also, you know, with enough speed that we can um, get. Uh, that kind of the the web three kind of flavor um to it so to speak but again not not rushing something as big as that um and funding will likely be required to help us achieve that
2: to to toot our horn there like we're we have said our nfts are cc zero but we have 150 million in our treasury and our native token and we haven't had to do any of the gimmicks like make an llc and sell some of the equity. so we're talking out of both sides of our mouth we truly were a fair launch project that i can rival um these other ones just in terms of financial sustainability. Yeah.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, all right, guys, I, I kind of am ready to give my summary from what I understand for this whole thing, but is there any other aspect of treasure or magic or anything else that we haven't touched on yet that's worth bringing up?
3: No? Um, probably just like one other thing is that um, I, I think with a lot of the, the games that kind of get built now, particularly from the um, like bottom up, um, they've, been, they've been really good, but um, they're still like very financially driven. I think one of the things that people have spoken about is like creating games that are genuinely fun. Um, and we are kind of working with, with partners who come from like really esteemed AAA background games, like High Fidelity, um, and talking to partners there to build something out to really, again, prove out that you can make a genuinely fun game, like literally proper playing, um, High Fidelity, um, highly engaged game for, for users that is going to help us cross that chasm to like 1 million plus users. Um, and it can be done on Treasure. That's, that's the thing that we're trying to prove out there. Um, and so that's, that's something that we're um, looking at extremely closely and hopefully we'll have some more details uh, on that. Yeah. Alpha leak
2: coming soon on that one. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Maybe I'll we'll have to bring you guys back on the show to to have that alpha leak too. Bankless likes to monopolize alpha. Um, okay. So, Here's kind of where I think that this is going. And I, I'm super aligned with your guys' vision of the metaverse, right? Like, it's there's not one kinet- canonical metaverse. You have to build smaller metaverses and append them onto the same layer, right? Uh, and, and with this whole magic as a currency of this metaverse, and especially as you guys are getting into layer one blockchain, this has moved from being... Well beyond a DeFi app, well beyond an NFT ecosystem, well beyond a play-to-earn game, well to, even beyond a play-to-earn gaming ecosystem. And in my mind, what you guys are building is like one of the new age nation states, uh, a digital nation in the clouds. Uh, and nation state kind of incorporates ideas of like actual physical land. But like in the Web3 world, our nations are... Uh, Digital, right? They don't actually have physical land, but they do have a central currency. They do have a community, which uh, I'm watching on the YouTube just be super energetic. And there's even like this whole like kind of states model too, where you have like the federal Model the federal hub, which I think is the bridge verse, the bridge world. Uh, Then, but then you have all these like newer and smaller metaverses, which get depended on, which feel like states, right? They get to play by their own rules, so long as they play by the rules of the meta state, which is like the bridge verse, and they and they use the currency of the of the of the the overall ecosystem, the 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 magic treasure ecosystem. So I'm seeing, and especially as you get into a layer one blockchain, you guys are, uh, I think, are building a, what, what could only be described as a Web3 nation. You got the community. You clearly have the culture. They clearly have their own values. And again, anyone listening to the podcast, you can watch on the YouTube and, and see all the people in the comments. Uh, and uh, you're building out your own currency. You're building out your own infrastructure with the NFT marketplace and the games. I think what you guys are building are a digital nation. How's that land with you guys?
2: Um, but i don't know legally how what we should nah, say there nah, legally
0: like whatever oh well okay i get to say whatever i want i know you have to be a little bit more no honest.
2: i mean it's it is it is like a um yeah i mean a nation makes some money it's a to metaphor. represent it's a metaphor it's, you, No, but i no, i agree with you at a literal level yeah we're a community who made a money to represent um the value of what we built um yeah cool guys yeah
1: like um if I can just chime in there, I get a lot of inspiration from uh, Balaji's talks on network state.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so like what you just described kind of like aligns with all of that, like, um, like geographical borders are melting away. We have our own money, we have our own c- our community, and the next step is really to create our own state. So yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to joining the, uh, the treasure nation state in the clouds. Uh, I feel very welcomed by all the uh, community members in, in the YouTube chat right now. So if you guys are watching the YouTube, thanks for being here. I always appreciate when there's liveliness and energy in, in the YouTube chat. Uh, if you have not li- yet liked the video, please do that. If you have not yet subscribed to Bankless, I can't imagine why you wouldn't have. But if you haven't, just remember to hit that subscribe button. Uh, Garp, John, and PETA, thank you guys so much for coming on and, and giving me the, the bull case for the Treasure ecosystem. Are there any last comments from you guys uh, about Treasure, about Magic, or I don't know, about anything else?
2: No, thanks for having us. This is one of the like, you know, pinch ourselves moments to get to do Bankless. So we're we're really grateful. Yeah, thank
3: you so much. Been uh, love love being on here and having um, a great kind of chat. Um, I guess like one thing, can we can we get an E from you?
0: <laughs> I did promise. Somebody's been asking me to croak a lot in the YouTube. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. He's been asking me to croak, but he's, I don't got to, know. Got to, I'll, croak I'll, as well. I'll, but I'll get, go give, ahead and give, give the i <laughs> I don't know how to do it. Is that Right?
3: Love it. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. Once again, Garb, John, and PETA, thank you so much for joining me on this Alpha Leak edition of Bankless. Uh, Once again, if you are a part of a community and you think that your community story needs to be told, your DAO story needs to be told, or if you just are particularly bullish on a token, hit me up on Twitter, generate a team to come and explain that bull case for me, generate some notes so I know what I'm talking about, and we will make a show to be the bull case for your community. This was the bull case for TreasureDAO and for Magic. Uh, you, I will let the listener decide for themselves whether they think Magic should be a part of their own portfolio or not, uh, whether that's th- for them or not. And once again, thank you for everyone to listening. Please remember to like and subscribe. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can subscribe to Bankless. Uh, and if you are, once again, on the YouTube, make sure to like the video. Uh, I think I'm getting a small, uh, my, a small version of my CryptoPunk. Uh, I, I, I think perhaps, uh, and if I do, I will be happy to do stuff with that. Um, and again, guys, thank you once one last time for coming on. Appreciate it.
3: Amazing. Thank you. Thank you.